Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Artist Journal. It is March 11th, 2022, and we are recording from Berlin. And my name is Adrian Pocabelli. And I've been working on this podcast for a while, been thinking about it. And at a certain point, you just got to do it. So here I am, ready to roll with our fabulous new music from Tradscape. I finally found the right music to get this going. The great Tradscape. So I've been on Tezos the last about eight weeks here. And, you know, I started out on Super Rare about a year and a half ago, November of 2020, which feels like an eternity ago when, you know, ETH was at 600 bucks or whatever, but there you have it. And I thought I was kind of late, but, you know, if you're joining now, it probably seems pretty early. So it's all relative. And what's interesting about the NFT space is that you're always learning something new. And just when you think you've seen it all, it actually just gets that much more interesting. And that's what happened to me about six to eight weeks ago, let's say mid-January. I started discovering Tezos. I was actually on Rata, Rata Yonkwe, if I'm pronouncing that right. I was on his Twitter feed and I was, at first I started on OpenSea where I finally started collecting. And that's a whole other story in itself, which I will go into at some point, not today. And what I'm aiming to do here, just so that you know, and I'll get back to my little story, is maybe 10 to 15 minutes, let's see, uh, pretty regularly, it's an artist journal after all, with a update on what's going on in the NFT world, as well as what I'm working on and what I'm seeing just on an art basis. Maybe this ends up on YouTube eventually. I'm starting small and humble. You know, there may be two people listening to this. I'm okay with that. Okay, I'm just feeling my way. I could think about starting for another year. Okay, and I have been thinking about starting for a year now. So now we're just going to do it. We're not going to worry about any kind of audience. So, but if you are here, welcome, because I think this is going to be actually pretty interesting. I want to start a show if I didn't think there was something to say. So on with it. So I started out on Ethereum collecting uh, maybe in November and then January. I started getting serious. Got lucky with the MFers which I was into from the almost the beginning. I didn't know about the Mint, but I, as soon as I saw them on Twitter, I was like, what is this great project? These little stick figures. And I started buying them at like 0.4 ETH and then all the way down to 0.15 or whatever, picked up some nice steals there. And then in late January, I noticed the prices were starting to take off. So I was in Rome at the time. And so I picked up like five others. I sold Sold a few of my tiny cryptos, thankfully, and bought some MFers, which turned into a brilliant decision. It usually doesn't work out that way. So anyways, uh, I was on Ethereum and it was interesting, but it's very expensive. And what was interesting is now Tezos is another blockchain and it doesn't really, people know about it. It's been around for a while, but it doesn't really get its due. A lot of people have expected it to be one of these layer one blockchains to take off. And it hasn't quite done that yet. You know, it's been hovering around the 2 to $8 mark like for a year now, maybe longer, ever since I started paying attention, which is, gosh, September. You know, I started paying attention seriously to crypto maybe August of 2020. So, you know, maybe five or six months after the pandemic started. And very lucky. I got onto Super Rare pretty early. But anyways, Tezos has been around for a while and... It's always had this reputation of being a art blockchain. And I didn't really see it. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't really persuaded or convinced. And I was kind of happy to be on Ethereum, which I 
sort of took to be like the real OG art blockchain. But I was on Rata Yonqui's Twitter page and I noticed that he had a Tezos as well as, and I discovered him on Ethereum and he does all these great little pixel art images. And so I looked at his Tezos and what's super cool about collecting art on the blockchain is you can see what everybody else is buying. So I could look at his collection. And when I looked at his collection, I started finding these other very interesting works. And, you know, then you go to those people's collections and you see what they have and you see what they own. And you look at those people who are collecting their works. And it's really a new paradigm as far as collecting and art discovery. This is, I think, something that the traditional art world is very slow to pick up on. The discovery process is maybe one of the most powerful, underrated aspects of NFT art collecting. I spent probably three weeks straight of my all my free time for three weeks, just endlessly obsessing. I'd literally go to sleep and wake up early, excited to just run to my computer to see what else I would find and needing to buy these things. So all of a sudden I understood, as I say, when the NFT bug bites, it bites hard. Like once you start collecting and you get into it, it bites hard. So anyways, I went down the rabbit hole on Tezos and I've become persuaded that that is actually where you're going to find the best art to generalize. And most of my art's on Ethereum, on Super Rare, and I thought I was all comfortable there. But if you're looking for edgy, you know, I like, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. I don't say this with 100% definiteness and you know, these are qualitative things. These are opinions in the art space. And anybody that starts to make absolute statements starts to run into trouble. But if you're looking for edgy works, as far as I'm concerned, it, it, there's no competition between Ethereum and Tezos. Like, as I was joking on Twitter, you can find me at Pokebelly. As I was joking on Twitter, going back to the Ethereum blockchain after spending three weeks on Tezos, it's like coming back to the Disney Channel. Like everything, like, you know, you see all these PFP projects, everything literally is just brighter colors, kind of simpler, kind of look like cartoons, even the art, you know, and again, all my art's on there. So I'm not saying it with any sort of like, I mean, these are massive generalizations, but it's just a little less edgy. So anyways, yeah. So there are artists I want to highlight. I think that's sort of a YouTube thing. So I'm going to feel my way through this process here and as well, I want to go just as a way of kind of creating a base foundation of content. I thought I'd just pick three or four kind of NFT art stories to just look at and go through with you in order to basically keep this kind of like something I can do regularly that I don't feel like I need some big inspiration of what I'm going to talk about. I can talk about my five minutes of thoughts of the day and then get into the news and then, you know, what I'm working on and that's it. Done deal. You know what the plan is for the day? It's an artist journal. And so there you have it. So turning to our news of the day, I found, and there is a significant amount of NFT art news. And, and so right now, the NFT space is, it has declined, particularly on Ethereum. The prices have come down pretty dramatically. Again, my MFers there, they went from 0.4 all the way to 6 ETH, which is like probably close to fifteen to $17,000, depending on where Ethereum is. And they dropped now, they're at two. I mean, they dropped all the way to 1.8 and they're starting to recover. They're actually at about two and a half now. 
So that's a pretty big drop, and you're seeing it with the Bored Apes, which are kind of like the flagship NFT project and a lot of the projects. So there's been a bit of a drawback, but this has happened before. It happened last April, and it happened in, I think, November, December, and January was a really strong month, and now we're coming back again. So it's probably all healthy, frankly, but we're getting some stories. So that's where we are. So now let's turn to some of these news stories that we're seeing here. And we have this one out today from Ocula Magazine, ocula.com. Out of nowhere, NFTs now constitute 16% of the global art market. And so I'm not surprised, okay? Because I've never collected art in my entire life, more just because I'm an artist and collecting is both expensive and you need to store it. It's kind of a pain to collect art. It's nice. It really is for the rich and the comfortable. And as any artist will tell you, you know, you're kind of going from apartment to apartment and uh, you don't need the hassle of collecting art. Some do. I mean, I have a friend, a good friend that does, but yeah. So I'm not surprised that NFTs are starting to really catch fire as far as collecting is concerned because now I'm doing it. I have over 250 works on Tezos, maybe 50 works on Ethereum. And it's just so easy. Like if I move, it's effortless. Nothing happens. I keep my collection with me. And as well, my collection is a lot more liquid. If I want to sell it, okay, maybe I can't sell it in a night, but maybe if the prices are cheap enough, I can start to sell it pretty quickly. You know, and what are you going to do with a physical art piece? Who do you call? You know, and I'm in the art world a tiny bit. You know, I've been in Berlin for five years here, five and a half years. Like I, you know, but I still, who would I call if I needed to get rid of an art piece? It would be like this huge hassle. So that doesn't exist with digital art in the same way. You go to OpenSea, you announce it on Twitter, and you're on your way. So let's take a look at this story. Out of nowhere, NFTs now constitute 16% of the global art market. It's by Sam Gaskin out of Zurich. And it says here, NFTs made up 16% of the global art market by value last year, according to a new report published by nonfungible.com with support from research firm Latelier. All told, $2.8 billion was spent on crypto art in 2021, compared to $14.6 billion on traditional art. Isn't that interesting? $2.8 billion spent on crypto art in 2021 versus, in a sense, only $14.6 billion on traditional art. So, I mean, it's almost $3 billion versus $14.5 billion. Pretty big bite, isn't it? Now, one quick anecdote. I was listening to a Twitter spaces with, I think, Mando and OSF, who are prominent kind of NFT personalities. I think it was Rug Radio, which is a topic for another day. I love Rug Radio. And someone, I don't know if it was one of them or some, some guest or whoever it was, was at the Sotheby's auction recently. And they're talking about the difference between the enthusiasm in the traditional art area, which was kind of crickets and kind of quiet and kind of boring. And the NFT art sales where, you know, a member of the royal family was there, apparently. He didn't say who because he didn't want to blow their cover, I guess. But I mean, and he's saying this like there is energy and it was electric. So despite this market kind of being down, I mean, it's just electric. And I feel it. I wake up every morning. It's the first thing I do is I go to object on the Tezos blockchain, object.com. And I see what's new in my notifications, see who's minted something, see what's going on. And uh, I'm all for it. So continuing on the article, 
nonfungible.com did not measure art traded on alternative blockchains such as Solana, Tezos, and Avalanche. So that doesn't even include that $2.8 billion. That's just Ethereum. Nonfungible.com also tracked crypto art sales at the big three auction houses, which reached $150 million at Christie's, $100 million at Sotheby's, and $6.2 million at Phillips. Now, just a quick aside here. I don't want this to be all about money and auctions. That's kind of like my the thorn in my side as far as the art media is concerned. And I'm not interested in doing that, but we're just starting rough here. I, I want to be talking about, frankly, art themes in the news, but whatever. We're starting simple here. Back to the show. While a few deep-pocketed individuals paid eye-watering sums for works by artists such as Beeple and Pack, a broad base of crypto art collectors has formed. The number of art NFT collectors grew to 212,500, almost 150,000 of whom had active wallets when the report was compiled. Over 3,500 artists contributed more than 427,000 new NFTs in 2021, according to the report, bringing the total number to over 1.6 million. On average, art NFTs were held for 33.3 days and sold for $3,282 on average. The average price came back significantly from a peak of over $10,000 in August, but it was tenfold what art NFTs were selling for at the start of the year. Continuing, 2021 was a breakout year for NFTs, but nonfungible.com co-founder Gautier Zupinger doesn't expect to see such radical results in 2022. I mean, and I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, they kind of rose with what I'd call a historic bull market in crypto in the last like 16 months which kind of wrapped up in November there. And we're now we're, I think we could say we're consolidating. And finally, Zuppinger told CNBC, what is interesting is that we are seeing less people, less buyers, less sales. The global community may have decreased because of speculation and a loss of interest in collectibles, but the global market is still really high and the value of some of these assets has continued to increase. And then the article continues finally, while the market for NFTs is not growing as quickly as it was, volumes are still going up. So far in 2022, the total value of NFT transactions reached $687 million per week, up over 10% from the fourth quarter of 2021. In the contemporary art world, galleries such as Pace, Koenig, and Lehman Maupin, and art fairs such as Art Dubai are helping to build a market for fine art NFTs. So that is your article. So... Maybe it's just our story of the day is what we'll have here. Because look, we're already at almost 20 minutes. And so as far as the what, what I'm working on, I just posted a work onto Tezos. It's a part of a new series that's called The Secret History of World War III, something I've been trying to do for a while, which is a real-time response to the news. And the piece is called Nuclear and Destructive. If you do a search on Pokebelly on object.com, objkt.com, you'll see it. And it's cheap, two Tezos, uh, which is part of the part of the culture there is you kind of sell this stuff cheap at the start. And it's kind of almost all about the secondary market, which is a whole other conversation. I mean, I've seen people on Twitter, I think Anne Loramy from SuperRare is like, how do we make the secondary market better? And it's like the problem, I think, with the secondary art market on Ethereum is the art is too expensive. So it's not very liquid. I mean, Whereas on Tezos, people post a work, like I'm new, so I, this doesn't happen to me, but people post a work who are known and there's like, it sells out within a couple of hours, if that. And before you know it, there's a whole secondary market already of people who have offers and bids, you know, 10 
you know, it's almost like an order book to buy like a crypto. If you're on Binance and you see, okay, or you're on some sort of exchange. So I, th I think it really has to do with price. Who knows? Uh, that's, that's my take on it. So I'm going to leave it there on this first experimental show. I hope you join me again. And thank you to Tradscape for this wonderful music that I just bought today. And I think that's why I'm starting this show. So props to Tradscape and I will see you next time.